from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Making healthy soil the centerpiece of everything. We no-till everything. How one producer has made it his mission from day one. A stunning announcement that could dramatically impact future leadership in the Senate. This will be my last term as Republican leader of the Senate. Reaction to Mitch McConnell's announcement and who could possibly take over as Texas Panhandle ranchers face raging wildfires. It just blew like a, it's just almost unbelievable how fast it came across us. Texas takes center stage as Commodity Classic gets underway in Houston right now on Ag Day. Ag Day presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when blood, sweat, and tears meet rain, wind, and sun. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths coming to you again from Commodity Classic in Houston where we're following a developing story here in Texas as the state battles a series of massive wildfires sweeping across the panhandle. Now the state's governor issuing a disaster declaration for 60 counties. The main blaze, the Smokehouse Creek fire swelling quickly into the second largest wildfire in the state's history, consuming 500,000 acres, spreading at an average rate of 150 football fields every minute, with farms and ranches in its path. Mike Valerio has an update. In North Texas, frantic video of cattle galloping as fast as they can against a backdrop of black smoke billowing from one of at least five wildfires. The people recording also running for their lives. It looked like Armageddon. It looked like our town was just being engulfed in black. Some of the flames have jumped into neighboring Oklahoma. The explosive growth of the fire since Monday led to a brief evacuation of a nuclear weapons facility, a site tasked with assembling and disassembling the nation's nuclear arsenal. Luckily, because of the heroic efforts of our surrounding community, the fire never did come to the Pantex plant. Employees returned Wednesday, but many residents from the Texas Panhandle communities of Canadian and Fritch are seeking safety elsewhere. We all were wondering, what is this? What's going to happen? Are we going to be able to return? Is there going to be anything to return to? We've had extremely hot, dry days these last couple of days, along with extremely high winds. Texas A&M Forest Service adds firefighters will try to take advantage of Wednesday's weather, a calmer day with lighter winds and higher humidity. But winds are expected to pick up again on Thursday with stronger gusts up to 30 miles an hour. We will be returning as soon as we can to go assess damages, hug our friends, hug our families, and be thankful that we are all alive and start rebuilding. I'm Mike Valerio reporting for Ag Day. And I spoke with one Texas farmer here at Commodity Classic whose land is in the path of that fire. He shared this video of what was happening. This is on the north side of Miami, Texas. He said the fire started Monday with 30 to 60 mile per hour winds. That fire, when it came off the top of the hill and dropped down into the bottom in about 30 to 45 seconds, it moved a half a mile. It just blew like a, it's just almost unbelievable how fast it came across us. One of the things that made these fires so intense is we had such great rain last summer. It rained across the Texas Panhandle, our Short prairie grasses that we've got really got big. So we had a lot of fuel 
Now, Spurlock says they had about 60 cows in the fire's path, but like other cattle producers in the area, they're still trying to assess the damage and the number of livestock lost. The fires come one year after winds topping 100 mile per hour on top of drought brought a dust storm destroying up to 80% of the Panhandle's dry land wheat crop. And the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association is taking up donations for ranchers in the Texas Panhandle in Western Oklahoma, asking folks to give to its TSCRA disaster fund. Now the organization says the donations will go to aid victims of the fire. For more, head to the website on your screen. The roller coaster temperature ride continues as another winter storm moves in from the west. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht joins us with more. Yeah, we're going to be in between systems. The uh, next one, a potent one for the west coast, is once again going to add to the snowfall totals for the higher terrain and uh, more rain up into California, Oregon, and Washington. Now, this is going to try to work across the United States that blocking pattern is going to set up Friday, Saturday and Sunday. A ridge of high pressure is going to build in uh, across the plains. Look at what's going on down here to the south, though. Uh, what's called the inverted trough. So it's just a little bit of weak lift in the atmosphere is going to be just enough to pick up a good amount of moisture and back to the south and to the southeast and work to the east Friday and into Saturday. The ridge is going to build back in and the train track for this next low pressure system. This trough isn't going to be to the east. It's more going to be to the northeast. Now coming up in a little bit, we'll talk more about that track. This is on Friday night uh, that could have implications for next week. Again, we'll look at that coming up in just a little bit. And go ahead and take a look at your screen. Just adorable. Two new arrivals on Pat Swanson's farm in Iowa. She says her newest grandson got to meet their newest calf. Welcome to the world, both of you. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. We're also following another developing story. Mitch McConnell announcing he's stepping down as Republican leader of the Senate in November, but will still serve out his Senate term, which ends in January of 2027. News Michelle Rudd joins me here in Houston and Michelle. Some senators from some pre-orm states could get tabbed with that talk, Joe. Yeah, that's right, Clinton. In fact, the Washington insiders that I talked to say it could be a battle at the Johns for the Senate GOP leadership role. This is certainly something the agricultural industry will be closely watching in addition to another possible government shutdown. Farm group leaders like American Soybean Association CEO and former Deputy Ag Secretary Steve Sensky says there will likely be competition for that position. Now that sets up a, an opportunity though for uh, you know my former colleague and friend John Thune who's the number two uh, leader in the in the Republican conference right now um, also I know that he'll face competition they're talking about from the three Johns uh, John Thune, John Cornyn and John Barroso are likely and there may be others that will be running for that position. Sensky says he was sad to hear about Senator Mitch McConnell stepping down from leadership because he was effective for agriculture. He's been a very effective majority leader um, and just the strategy being taking a look down the road. He's been a good friend to agriculture throughout. He's been a member of the Senate Ag Committee. Um, and so, yeah, I do think that that is, uh, is a loss. The ag community is also watching the stalled negotiations on passing a continuing resolution bill or actual funding package with a looming deadline of March 1st before the government partially shuts down. I think the Senate is very much committed to avoiding a shutdown, but as we've seen in the House, unfortunately, there's uh, members of the far-right Freedom Caucus 
that seem to have forgotten that we have a divided government. Without a deal, USDA will shut down on Friday at midnight and only essential services will continue. From Commodity Classic in Houston, I'm Michelle Brook reporting for Ag Day. All right, thanks, Michelle. A U.S. District Court judge has dismissed a four-year-old lawsuit against USDA regarding its decision to increase line speeds at poultry plants. Now, the complaint from the Humane Society and other animal groups alleged USDA implemented line speed changes without providing time for legal notice and public comment. Now, the Food Safety and Inspection Service introduced a waiver system back in 2018, allowing poultry processors participating in the new poultry inspection system to operate line speeds exceeding 175 birds per minute. Meanwhile, USDA is now announcing it's beginning a trial to allow higher swine line speeds until 2025. FSIS says it has initiated a trial allowing certain slaughter facilities to operate swine line speeds up to 1,106 head per hour. Corn continues to fight to stay above the $4 mark. We have market analysis right here from Commodity Classic. And later, a Michigan farmer started out with conservation in mind and he's never stopped. See what he's doing in the country. Corn continue to climb midweek for a third straight session. And as Michelle Rook joins us again with analysis here from Commodity Classic. Grains ending mixed on Wednesday. Matt Bennett with AdMarket.net is joining us with analysis. Okay, corn market did bounce on Wednesday despite wheat going the opposite direction. Everybody wants to know, are the lows in, especially now that we've got a lot of this liquidation out of the way before first notice day? Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of the farmers give up point, if you will, was last week, you know. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all three days you traded higher, then you end up five, six cents lower. It was just a pretty rough uh, trade action type of a, of a week. You come in here this week, make a new, new low on Monday, and then you close up sharply. You know, yesterday we had a little bit higher close. Today, nice, nice movement in corn as well. So it sure looks like for the time being the lows in. Now, I, I don't know that over the long haul, uh, but obviously March is going in. I mean, March is going to be off the board here before you know it. And so you know, is May going to go down there and test that $4 level and, and go even below where March was? Uh, that remains to be seen. I think there's a lot of things they could factor in. But for the time being, it seems like the pain's over. And the soybean market, we put new contract lows in on Wednesday before bouncing. Do you think there's more downside risk left in that market? Well, whenever you look at the charts, I mean, there's some open air beneath us, you know. And I, the problem is, is, of course, Brazil's weather looks like it's good enough. Argentina's looks good enough. Uh, bottom line for me is that uh, beans fundamentally don't really have a story to be super strong. You see crush margins continue to be crushed, so to speak. You know, and so right now, I guess I'm a little bit concerned. I feel like one of these days, though, beans could bounce 50, 60 cents over the course of a, of a week and, and no one would be shocked, you know, because uh, we are definitely oversold. Uh, cinnamon has been awfully weak. I feel like they're going to bounce at some point, but fundamentally it's pretty rough. Anytime you get those rallies, though, will the funds pounce on it or will you get farmers selling? Yeah, I feel like the funds in, in some of your commodities have actually been quietly exiting some of these. As far as beans go, I don't know that the funds want to own beans just yet. And so if I'm a farmer, though, i got to understand, you get any sort of rally like that to go to the second part of your question, you've got to act on it. You're right. Thanks for joining us, as always. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. We'll have more Ag Day coming up.
A look at that temperature outlook between the 6th and the 12th. This takes us all the way close to the middle of March and the map hasn't changed all that much. That being said, this does not mean it's going to be warm this entire time period, much like what we saw uh, earlier this week. You can get these shots of cold air, but like we've seen this entire season, it's not four or five days of cold air. It's quick bursts of some cold air, some wintry type precipitation before temperatures come back above average. So over here towards the right side of the legend, you got uh, parts of the Midwest back up into Wisconsin, Minnesota, but also the Northeast. Check out what's going on over here though. Once again, we get a ridge building to the east and a trough digging to the west. What's going to end up happening this weekend and next week, as you'll see in the jet stream, that energy is going to go more towards the north than to the east. Precipitation outlook. Uh, so again, a picture like this does not paint a blocking pattern that is going to limit precipitation or rain across the United States. We're going to get some rain moving across the Gulf Coast states. This is uh, the fourth through the eighth. Uh, fourth through the eighth. And then also as that low pressure system moves through uh, wetter than average or possibly wetter than normal conditions, but not by much. Uh, we're only uh, kind of to the right side of the legend here. Really don't get back into this really deep uh, wetter than normal uh, type situation, which is what they're going to see in California for the plains uh, or the Midwest. So what's going on with the jet stream? So this is Saturday and into Sunday this weekend into next week. We start to build that ridge off on the east coast with the trough moving more to the north rather than to the east. So unlike the system we had earlier this week, that low pressure system is going to be moving more to the north rather than to the east as well. Start off with California, Hawthorne, 63 degrees low, about 54 degrees. John Day, rain to snow, high around 48 degrees. Bushnell, Nebraska, population only about 200. Sunny skies, high of 60. And quite a sight for police here in Texas in the city of Arlington after a herd of goats was spotted wandering streets in a neighborhood. And the city had brought the goats to a nearby natural area to help clear underbrush, but some managed to escape their enclosure and go for a little stroll. Officers were able to block off the street and guide them safely back to their enclosure. An Idaho ranch finds itself at the center of a complaint from the government when it comes to the Clean Water Act. And later, we'll meet a Michigan farmer with a holistic approach to conservation that's earning him top honors. Drover's Report on Ag Day is brought to you by Neogen. Discover your possibilities and enhance your herd's potential. A tight cattle market is continuing to impact prices, and new numbers show packers are continuing to reduce cattle slaughter. Now, it's estimated cattle slaughter was only 247,000 head through the first two days this week. That's more than 2,900 head behind the same time last year, with plants running 32-hour shifts and little to no Saturday kills. Experts say this week's tally could fall as low as 580,000 head. Market watchers say packers are continuing to reduce slaughter runs as a means of managing tight market-ready supplies amid margins deeply in the red. An Idaho ranch is accused of violating the Clean Water Act in a complaint filed by the Department of Justice on behalf of the EPA. The complaint filed in U.S. District Court in Idaho alleges Ace Black ranches illegally discharged fill into the Bruno River and nearby wetlands, the government alleging the ranch engaged in illegal activities, including mining and processing gravel pulled from the river 
along with using heavy equipment to clear and level dozens of acres of wetlands. Now, the Idaho Farm Bureau sharing video of when EPA officials first inspected the ranch. The complaint claims the activities caused significant damage to fish and wildlife habitat in and around the river. Now, we've reached out to the attorney representing that ranch for a statement, but we have not heard back so far. At the time of the inspection, the Black family and their attorney called the search unreasonable. A representative of the Bruno River Soil Conservation District has said in the past the ranch does everything by the book and took measures to conserve water. Still ahead, we continue our look at some of the top farmers in the country when it comes to conservation. Up next, we're off to Michigan, where one farmer has focused on the soil from day one. Nutrien is a global leader in agronomic and digital technology. Unlock the full yield and economic potential on your farm with Nutrien. Nutrien and the American Soybean Association are feeding the future together. Tomorrow night here at Commodity Classic, the American Soybean Association will be holding an awards presentation honoring its Conservation Legacy Award winners. Well, this morning, Ag Day's Michelle Rook is introducing you to another regional winner, a Michigan farmer who's been all in on conservation since he started farming. Michigan farmer Don Morse has been using conservation tillage for nearly 50 years, starting with the first 350 acres of land he ever bought. We no-till everything. I started no-tilling when I was a junior in college, 1975. He says using conservation practices allowed him to buy and rent farmland to grow to 3,100 acres of corn, soybeans, wheat, and sugar beets today. So the no-till is something that I think has been instrumental in our growth here. Morse got a degree in soils at Michigan State, which also fueled his passion early on to protect the soil. Morse farms in the Great Lakes watershed. His lake bed land is flat, so drainage is a challenge with no-till and conservation practices are important to protect water quality. We're flat, we don't let soil move with water across the field and into a ditch and wash, you know, wash soil away. All the land that I farm, I'm pretty lucky with what we own, what we rent. It's all pattern tiled. Morse also adopted the use of cover crops starting in 2018, initially to help with weed suppression. Um, really the first motivator was a way to control mare's tail and potentially water help with rye. It, it appeared that that was the aliopathic effect that you get would help and it would be the next step to trying to get the soil to be a little healthier. He planted various cover crops, but says rye works the best, applied aerially in the fall. Then he plants into the cover crop in the spring and desiccates it after planting. Moore says cover crops improve soil health, sequester carbon, and provide a growing crop all winter long to help build up soil biome and tilth. Plus, they prevent soil erosion and surface runoff. The cover crops are there to grow organic matter, which means then We'll have better water holding capacity. We'll have more organic nitrogen released. He's also using biologicals for nutrient reduction. He says this holistic approach to conservation pays back big dividends depending on the season. This year I feel we took the dry weather better. We had the cover crop residue, the mat there. Um, and then this fall, because of nice structure, we infiltrated the water better. And he says taking care of the soil also makes his operation more sustainable, which is part of his conservation legacy. 
Congratulations to Don Morris, the 2024 Northeast ASA Conservation Legacy Award winner. All right, thanks, Michelle. And we'll introduce you to another finalist tomorrow morning. Thanks for watching from all of us here at AgDay. I'm Clinton Griffiths. We'll see you back here again tomorrow for more from Commodity Classic here in Houston, Texas.